This is the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Well, we are back with the latest edition of our Nothing But Bucks podcast off of a wild game in Cincinnati, won by the Bengals, a game that at one point the Bengals led 21-0. At another point, the Bengals led 34-16, but no quit in our Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A little Fitz magic in the fourth quarter. The Bucks got the game tied only to have Cincinnati come away with a 37-34 victory. So, welcome in. I wish it were better news here on a Monday, especially after all of that wild offense and a record-setting day for the Buccaneers offensively. More on that coming up in a little bit. Let me set the table on what we have for you. we got full game highlights uh, coming here straight ahead on everything that happened in this contest at Paul Brown Stadium on Sunday afternoon. Some reaction after the game from the veteran Ryan Fitzpatrick and the way he played, head coach Dirk Cutter. Uh, At the time that we are talking right now, I'm going to qualify this again later on in the podcast. We don't know what the decision is going to be about who the quarterback is for next week. Certainly Jameis Winston off of a poor performance. He admitted as such after the game, uh, saying, I cost this team. Yes, he did cost the team with four interceptions. And clearly Fitzpatrick has already demonstrated at the beginning of the year he can win football games. That's important. That's relevant in the whole discussion about who's the quarterback moving forward. So uh, head coach Dirk Cutter at the time that I am talking on this podcast has not made an announcement. I don't know. I, I can't. I don't have the crystal ball. I don't know that if he'll do it Monday. I don't know if it'll be later on Wednesday or even later in the week that they make that decision. Uh, keep in mind that coming off of the game with Chicago before the bye week, the head coach announced right away in his Monday news conference who the quarterback would be. I don't know if that's going to happen uh, later on on this Monday after after we put nothing but Bucks together, but we'll find out. Uh, so you're going to hear those post-game interviews from Buccaneers Radio, and then our analyst on Buccaneers Radio, longtime tight end, pro bowler uh, with the Bucks, part of a lot of those uh, winning Tony Dungy teams in particular that turned around a, a last-place situation into a playoff contender every year. Dave Moore will be with me. He's been through a quarterback change or two in his career. We'll joke with him about that. We'll get his assessment from sitting up in that booth with Gene Deckerhoff yesterday while I was down on the field on the sideline. What he saw up high from Jameis' performance and then Ryan Fitzpatrick, the 14-year veteran, coming in and slinging it all around the yard and getting the Bucks back in the game, late in the game. Uh, an incredible offensive show again I mean when you consider only that Chicago game that's probably that's the only game where the Bucks fell hopelessly behind in the first half at 38 to 3 and and really the second half was just basically play the string out play the clock out the other six games for this football team the offense has been explosive has moved the ball has put points on the board over and over and over again touchdowns 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 galore from the from the Buccaneers. Speaking of Dave Moore and Tony Dungy and the teams in the 90s, they would struggle to get to 20 points. Remember Warren Sapp said, just give us 17 points and we'll win every game. This Buccaneer team right now, 24, 27, 31, 34 points yesterday, over and over and over again, putting points on the board. So that's a good thing. So let's go ahead and uh, get to the highlights from this matchup. The highlights courtesy of Buccaneers Radio. Again, the Hall of Famer Gene Deckerhoff, Dave Moore, and I on the call. And uh, look, for the Bucks, some early defense. The Bengals took the opening kickoff. They were moving the ball. They got a couple of first downs. And then the Bucks stopped them on fourth and one in this instance. After a third and one incompletion, a fourth down play in the Buck defense stood up. Dalton. 
awaits the snap. Joe Mixon on a, his left hip will get the call. Bouncing to He's hit in the backfield. He did not get the first down. Whitehead. Jordan Whitehead comes underneath and cuts him down. Even with a quick hurry up thing. Mixon could not get the first down. And Marvin Lewis gambles inside the 20-yard line or close to it and loses. And the Bucks take over on down. Credit where it's due, including Jordan Whitehead cutting down Joe Mixon on that fourth down play so the Bucks would take over. Uh, they would move the football. But you know, one of the themes of this first half was mistakes, self-infliction, and that's what that's what was going on uh, throughout the first half of this football game where uh, missed opportunities, including Jameis Winston here on the first possession. Here's the snap. Winston with an empty backfield throws. A post round. It is caught. Intercepted in the end zone. Intercepted and picked off of the end zone. Evans misses a tackle. Convoy outside the numbers near side. Chris Godwin will shove him out of bounds. Interception number seven by Winston this season. Yeah, an interception that you just can't have in the red zone, costing the Buccaneers any points at that stage, keeping the game scoreless. Now, the Buck D uh, also is able to hold on a three and out, so good good defense early on from the Bucs. Unfortunately, the offense not good enough, and eventually Cincinnati got the ball back, went on a quick drive. Andy Dalton got the ball to Franks on a long pass. Uh, and then he got the ball to Tyler Boyd on another long pass, and that set up the first score of the game. Here it goes. They'll snap the ball. And they touch down Cincinnati Bengals. From a yard away, right up the gut goes Joe Mixon. And the Bengals lead 6 to nothing. Joe Mixon had a great first half, the former number two pick out of Oklahoma. That's one of his uh, couple of touchdowns that he had early on in this game. So a 7-0 lead, and then uh, again for Jameis Winston, another interception, got his arm hit through another interception, and now Cincinnati's got the momentum, and they stomped on the accelerator, driving right down the field again. 12 plays, 58 yards. Again, Andy Dalton looking for third-year receiver Tyler Boyd. Out of the shotgun formation, sidecar right here's the snap and dropping. A post-route tall, caught ball, touchdown. Cincinnati Bengals, perfect throw by Dalton. Nine-yard touchdown throw to Tyler Boyd. It looked like that ball was thrown behind Boyd. He made the sight adjustment and made a tremendous catch. That touchdown makes it 14 to nothing, and the Bucks were clearly reeling in that moment, uh, struggling just to get anything going. They got the ball back. They got a couple of first downs, but you're in real trouble at 14 nothing, having to punt the ball away. Cincinnati wastes no time again with Dalton hitting Tyler Boyd a couple of more times over the middle. This, this was rare. We didn't see this against Cleveland with receivers wide open in the middle of the field like we had seen earlier in the year. It was back in the first half in Cincinnati. Some confusion. Boyd had two big catches. Joe Mixon took it in from eight yards out. You're looking up at the scoreboard and going, oh, boy, 21-0. Bengal fans are going crazy. The weather's not great. The wind is blowing. What's going to happen? And then lightning struck for the Buccaneers in a 21-0 hole the big play up top struck and struck quickly. Dropping seven steps, Winston looks to the, gets the pass downfield. Throwing toward Deshaun Jackson. He makes the catch of the five. Three, two, one. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Deshaun Jackson with a long touchdown grab. I believe he just went by Jerry Rice with the most touchdowns of 60 yards or longer in a career. Yes, a 60-yard touchdown pass to Deshaun Jackson quieted the Cincinnati crowd and got the Bucks on the board. 
that that's the play that there's been so much debate and discussion about that play, about the deep ball, the deep connection, Jameis to Deshaun Jackson. Uh, you, you are aware, we're all aware, we discussed it in the pregame coverage on Buccaneers Radio of Deshaun Jackson reportedly asking to be traded away from this situation in Tampa Bay. Well, nothing is going to be better uh, to soothe that than to find him deep like Jameis Winston did in that instance. Unfortunately, Chandler Cantanzaro once again uh, misses an extra point. This is the third week in a row that Canton Zaro has missed an extra point in the first half of the game. He actually kicked a field goal at the beginning of the Cleveland game and then missed an extra point. But you go back to the Atlanta game where he missed the first extra point. He missed the extra point after the first touchdown in the first half of the Cleveland game. He missed the extra point here. He was solid the rest of the day making kicks. I, I can't figure it out. I, I am not a kicking psychologist here on this, but uh, the end result is the game is only 21 to 6 at that stage and then the uh, the Bengals end up getting another touchdown on an Andy Dalton to AJ Green touchdown pass. It's 28 to 6. The Bucks get a field goal at the end of the first half from Chandler Cantanzaro and the game is 28 to 9 going to the locker room. So you wondered what was this team going to look look like getting the ball. They knew they would get the ball to start the second half. Can they put a drive together? Can they go get seven points? That's exactly what the Bucs did. Dialed it up, had a good drive, moved the football. Jameis Winston at the controls, completing some passes, able to convert on a third and 13 to Adam Humphreys to get you into scoring range. Had another scramble uh, to, uh, to help uh, hit O.J. Howard. Had another scramble to set things up on another third down play. And, uh, and Winston finds or actually a second down play, finds Adam Humphreys, who initially looked like he had scored a touchdown on the pass from the 17-yard line. They rule him down at the one-foot line. So now on the reload, first and goal from inside the one. Here you go. Winston under center, takes the snap, feeds the ball off, and over the top goes Peyton Barber. That's a touchdown, Tampa Bay. They will not have to replay review that one, I promise you. Boy, did Barber show some elevation? That's Peyton Barber leaping into the end zone, and you're right You're right in the game now. 27-13, and you only took five and a half minutes off the clock. Ton of time left, third quarter, fourth quarter. But this is unfortunately where the interceptions would once again undo Jameis Winston. Just too many turnovers, guys and gals. I mean, when we're talking about since he returned from the NFL suspension, second half of the Chicago game, two turnovers. Uh, two more interceptions in the Atlanta game. Three more last week with two interceptions and a, and a sack fumble. And then yesterday, four more interceptions. That's 11 turnovers in three and a half games for Jameis Winston. Way too many. The last of which, I don't have to play the highlight. You've seen it, is an interception return for a touchdown uh, by Bates of, of Cincinnati. That play right in front of me on the sidelines on Buccaneers Radio. As, as Jameis never saw the safety coming across, Adam Humphreys threw it right to him. Bates could have crawled in the end zone. And at that point, the team's demoralized. Too many interceptions, too many picks, uh, too big of a deficit at 34-16, and it was time to go to Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Fitzmagic comes in late third quarter, early fourth quarter, and immediately sparks this team, putting them in position to win, just like what we saw in the first two games of the season where he was the... Uh, NFC Offensive Player of the, of the Week in back-to-back -back weeks. 
uh, weeks. Uh, Fitzmagic uh, working the field, able to get a couple of completions, able to scramble around, scrambled for 14 yards, able to get the team uh, in scoring range, scrambled again for 18 more yards. Those were important because then Chandler Cantonzaro made another field goal uh, from 38 yards out. So the game is now 34-19. You were going to have to score three times, so you go ahead and kick the field goal even though it was fourth and three. Ton of time left. Again, there's 13 minutes left in the game at 34-19. And as we found out, if you can strike quickly, you can make something happen. Credit the Bucks defense. After being lit up in the first half, they once again stopped the Bengals on a three and out. Bucks get the ball back. They run a play. They get a holding penalty. They hand the ball off to Peyton Barber. He gets six yards. So now this is the second official play after the holding penalty and after the run where the Bucks are down by 15, but not for long. Fitzpatrick takes the snap and looks upfield. Good protection. Fitzpatrick throws a deep ball. Downfield toward Mike Evans. Evans at the 30. Takes it in to the 2010. 5-3-2-1. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Ryan Fitzpatrick and that Fitzmagic thing going. This is a ball game now. Oh, Mike Evans not just open, but alone behind the Bengals secondary on a double move. We'll hear more from Dirk Cutter about that particular play and Ryan Fitzpatrick's role in making it happen besides the throw. What a great throw in the windy conditions. Again, I'm not going to sit here and just make excuses constantly, but it was not easy to throw the football yesterday as the game wore on with gusts in the in the 25 to 30 mile an hour range. Great touch on the ball. Mike Evans waltzes in with his longest touchdown catch of the season. 72 yards. Again, the sideline erupted, guys. Next to me, Buck fans, you, you should know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic, uh, had that team up, roaring, ready. And the Buccaneers, again, are able to do their job and, and uh, stay in the game in the fourth quarter, get the stops. Unfortunately, could not get in position to score after getting the stop. Had to punt it away. Then Cincinnati drove, and this was a very important part of the game. Cincinnati drove trying to kill the clock, maybe get a field goal to all but put the game away when they were already up by eight points. Buck defense stiffened, stopping them with a sack. Uh, a big play by Jason Pierre-Paul. Then Dalton threw incomplete to Joe Mixon, so they have to kick the ball away. And that would lead to the crucial 88 yard 10 play drive in the final three minutes of the game where Ryan Fitzpatrick was money over and over again hitting Mike Evans for 27 yards with great touch on the ball hitting Adam Humphreys over the middle for 17 yards for Fitzmagic then Deshaun Jackson for seven yards on the sideline and then finally Fitzpatrick here facing a fourth down you move into the red zone the red zone has been a struggle for this team at times it was not on Sunday with Fitzpatrick at the helm the veteran on fourth down, calm and looking over the middle. From the Bengal 18-yard line, here is the snap, Fitzpatrick, looking, looking, throws a crosser, it's a call ball, touchdown Tampa Bay, Box a throw on fourth down, and O.J. Howard has the catch at the goal line, and the Buccaneers are two points away from tying the ball game, with a minute five left. Oh yeah, O.J. Howard. Comes down with the ball, not only a first down, but a touchdown with just over a minute remaining. Uh, Fitzmagic alive and well in the Queen City on the bank of the Ohio River at Paul Brown Stadium. Great throw on that one. Now you needed the two. You needed the two-point conversion to be able to tie the game. The Bucks have been unsuccessful on a two-point conversion in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago. Now Fitzpatrick scrambling around and then finds success. Jetson to snap the ball. Here's the snap. Looking right. Fitzpatrick looking right. He stepped 
Throws the ball. It is caught. Two-point conversion. Buccaneers, Chris Godwin. That's a jump pass from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitz magic reigns in Cincinnati. And the Bucs have tied the game with a minute five to go. Chris Godwin sitting down right there in the end zone. Great play from him. The game is now tied. Amazing. I mean, Fitzpatrick's reaction, you've probably seen the TV highlights. He is just enthralled, looking skyward, wide-eyed with the offensive lineman hugging him. What a moment to lead the team back on an 88-yard touchdown drive, get the two, tie the game. When all look lost, the Bucs get not one, not two, but three scoring drives and plays and are back tied. Then the Bengals still had a minute left on the clock, and credit to Andy Dalton at home, able to make the throws that he had to make, including to A.J. Green, who is a Pro Bowl wide receiver. One of those a 23-yarder, another one an 11-yarder on a second and 10. That set up Randy Bullock with the game-winning field goal on the final play of regulation. A good snap to spot the ball is airborne, 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 and it is good, and the Bengals win 37-34. to and there you have it. Cincinnati escapes after leading 21 nothing, after leading 28-6 at the half, after leading 34-16 in the fourth quarter. They needed the uh, last second field goal and got it. They get the victory. Like we talked last week, it doesn't matter how you win. It just matters, did you win? And the Bengals deserve credit for being three points better than the Bucs on that field goal. Still a heroic fourth-quarter comeback that saw Ryan Fitzpatrick end up throwing for 194 yards in this game uh, after relieving Jameis Winston. A couple of the, the stats that also stand out, Mike Evans, huge day. Best receiving day, 72 yards on the one catch, finished six catches, 179 yards on the day. Deshaun Jackson, three catches, 68 yards and the long touchdown. O.J. Howard, four catches, 68 yards and a touchdown as well. Adam Humphrey, seven more catches, 76 yards. The Buccaneers end up between Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick's passing yards, 470 on the day. The Bucs as a team end up with 596 yards officially. That is a new team record, breaking a 1980 Doug Williams-led Buccaneer team record for offense, 596 in a game. Not enough, though. Andy Dalton throws for 280 yards and two scores. Joe Mixon runs for 123, two other scores, although most of Joe Mixon's yards were in the first half. Credit to the Bucs for hanging in. Unfortunately, it is a loss. 37-34. We're glad that you're tuned in here on the Nothing But Bucks podcast. A reminder, whether you found us on the Buccaneers mobile app or Buccaneers.com, if you've not subscribed, do so through iTunes, Google Play, whatever, wherever you can find the podcast. It's the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Subscribe away, and this podcast will come automatically to your device right after Buccaneer game day to your phone, to your iPad. Subscribe away. Rate this show. Rank it where other Buccaneer fans will find it. Share it out on social media. It's Nothing But Bucks. So, after this game was over with, uh, and Ryan Fitzpatrick had reignited the Buccaneers, came into that locker room on our Hooters postgame show, and I had a chance uh, to speak with him about rallying the team, some of those dramatic plays. Here's our conversation. Let's begin with this team not quitting and battling. How did you get back in the game as a team in the fourth quarter? I think we've, we've showed that fight all year. You know, uh, the guys are never going to quit in this locker room, and, you know, I had had a lot of belief when I had to step in there in the huddle. They were going to try to rally a little bit, and, and you know we scored some points and got us back in it, but couldn't couldn't pull it off in the end. You got the long one to Mike Evans. Just describe that play as he ends up being wide open, Ryan. 
Yeah, it was a, you know, just something I think that had developed throughout the game, and Mike did a good job on the route. Uh, those are the those are the easy ones as a quarterback that you can just loft out there and, and let him run under, and he obviously did a great job finishing on that play as well. All right, on the final drive, you're down by eight. It's a fourth down play to O.J. Howard. Is he the primary option? Is he just one of the options? Just to take me through what you saw and what you did. Yeah, it just depends on the, the coverage and what we're going to get. Uh, they had called a timeout when we had lined up. So the particular play we had called, I just made sure that he was ready for a certain coverage. He did a great job on his route. Um, obviously the catch and then the finish in the end zone over the safety was nice. The two-point play, it seemed to be a little bit of a broken play. Did you know that you had Chris Godwin there the entire time, or is it one of those where you realize it, then you go to it? Yeah, just pure panic the whole time, you know, trying to make sure that I stayed up and got the ball to somebody. But, uh, yeah, they played a, a Tampa 2-type defense there, and so I felt the middle was soft. I just had to find Chris, and it took me a little while, but I found him. Is this just a case where you dug such a big hole, especially in the first half, that that is so tough to overcome in half number two? Well, we, we still had our opportunities. You know, we had our opportunities, and I think what you see all year with this offense, I mean, when we get down, the explosiveness is, is there. You know, we've got explosive players, so I don't think we're ever out of it. And when we were done with the quarterback, we had the opportunity to speak with Coach Dirk Cutter on all subjects in this game, including the quarterback change that was made, how this team was able to rally and hang in. And so here is the head coach. Coach Dirk Cutter is with us. Let's begin with the comeback. You're down 34-16, and yet you're able to get this game tied at 34 apiece. Uh, just w what happened with the spark on both sides of the ball for the comeback to get the game tied, Coach? Yeah, we, we didn't have a problem moving the ball all day. I mean, we were, we were moving the ball up and down the field. Uh, our problem was finishing drives with touchdowns, uh, you know, either – uh, turning it over uh, two in the first half where we were on their side of the 50 uh, or you know we, we turned it over once and allowed them to score so moving the ball wasn't the issue and uh, you know Ryan came in and gave us a little spark made a beautiful audible on the on the long one to Mike and uh, our defense played so much better in the second half got us the ball back we had we had a bunch of possessions there in the second half what can you let's pick up on that what can you pick up on defensively was it just uh, more sound in coverage better pass rush both no simple we stopped the run they rushed for 115 yards in the first half i mean when a team can run the ball like that that makes everything else go and in the second half i think they had 20 yards rushing and uh, when you can make them where they have to throw then all of a sudden you know jpp gets two sacks and our coverage looks a lot better in terms of that play to Mike Evans uh, that just seemed to jumpstart the team, take us through that. I know you've not seen Coach's tape, but it seemed he used a double move there and was alone. He did, and uh, actually uh, we had a different, a different play on, and Fitz looked out to the play that we had on, saw that it, it was, it was going to be average at best, and he, he flipped the play, flipped the play and signaled the double move. So, you know, that's where his experience and – and on a windy day like this, to be able to to be able to throw it, but you know, Mike Mike ran a great route and it was wide open. I know he's a veteran. I know he has already distinguished himself earlier this year as the two-time NFC Offensive Player of the Week. But that fourth quarter, he ends up unofficially with 194 yards and then leads you down the field in the final minute and a half of the game. What did you see out of Fitzpatrick, especially on that final drive? What was he doing well, especially to get you in the end zone and get the two? Well, just uh, you know his experience and his composure, and then uh, 
you know, when things broke down, even though one of them got called back, when things broke down, he, he has a really good feel for, for running with the football. And, uh, you know, got us back in field goal when we were down 18 points. Just, just that long run he had, the 18-yard run, to get us back in field goal range on the first score. Uh, really good decision-making and uh, just, just got a real calm about him. That two-point play, he just said to us a few moments ago that there are options. He just had to keep his eyes up. Again, do you just credit a veteran, no quit, keep your eyes up, make a play? Yeah, well, we had we had OJ on one side singled up, and if we got man coverage, you know, the option was to go to him. They gave his zone coverage. They left a corner on OJ, so he had a three-man a three-man package working on the other side. Uh, he had to step up, so I didn't really see what happened with the rush. You know, how, see how clean it was, and he he just hung in there, and uh, that was you know it was a, he threw it in a good spot. Chris made a nice catch. You have played some wild football games against all the teams in the AFC North, uh, including an overtime game last week with Cleveland. Uh, some of it is you just got to credit the Bengals for being able to pull it out. But this team, I know you don't want to hear about moral victories, battled in a, in a game that could have been one-sided, battled and had a chance to maybe win the game at the end. Yeah, there's no, there's no problem at all in how we're competing. Our guys are competing and they're fighting hard enough. I mean, the want-to is there, but, you know, you can't. We're minus seven in turnovers the last two weeks, and that's it's, it's not it's not that complicated. I mean, that's that's killing us. Coach, thank you. All right. Again, they're all tough. The losses are tough. Uh, the wins are sweet. It's a three and four start for the Buccaneers, but there's hope. There is hope for next Sunday in the future with the way that the offense is playing and the way that it clicked with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'll say again here on the podcast, you may already know as you're listening to this what the Bucs are going to do with the starting quarterback this week in Carolina against the Panthers. Uh, at the time that I am taping this podcast, no definitive announcement has been made as of yet. There's great speculation that Dirk Cutter will go back to the veteran Ryan Fitzpatrick for now to try to win some games. Look, if you have any hope of making the playoffs, the math is simple. You've got to get to nine wins. I mean, with the way the Saints and the Panthers are rolling, and you look right now at the rest of the NFC uh, with the with the Redskins and the Eagles, and you do have a win over the Eagles, and you play the Redskins coming up, when you've got teams like the Packers and the Vikings, along with the Rams who are undefeated, there are only so many playoff spots, wild card spots. It is looking like in the NFC, you're going to have to have nine wins. That means you need six more right now out of the last nine games you're going to need at least six victories you might even need 10 to make the playoffs so this is a right now decision on we have to win games against carolina the following week with the redskins then the you've got to come away with victories uh because you're going to fall too far behind if if you roll into the middle of November and you've only got three wins, you're going to be f- four games back, three or four games back in the wild card picture, and, and too much to make up at that point. You get a win this week against Carolina, you follow that up with a win over Washington, let's say, and you get to five and four. You're in the thick of the playoffs. There is there is no disputing that uh, here. So you've got to win. You've got to win right now. Let's see what the Bucks do at the quarterback position. And uh, and see if they can't shore some things up. Getting ready to play the Panthers, who handled the Baltimore Ravens yesterday. I'll have a final couple of words on that game uh, coming up. As we mentioned, enough of me here for the moment. I want you to hear from our Buccaneers radio analyst Dave Moore on the call every week. He's doing a great job with Gene Deckerhoff and has for over a decade. Played 15 years in the NFL, 13 of those with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, he's up there along with Derek Brooks on most games played, by the way, in Buccaneer history. He has seen it all. So I am anxious to bring him on nothing but Bucks now. 
hey, uh, we've been around, you and I, for going on about 25 or 30 years. I'm old, you're not old. Hey, here's something new. The Buccaneers have a quarterback controversy. I mean, this this has only been going on. This man uh, has lived through – I'm going to make you laugh because I'm just going to go down the list. You, you've lived through Vinny Testaverde or Craig Erickson when you first got here. Testaverde, the former number one overall pick. Sound familiar, Buck fans? Former number one overall pick. Should we bench him? Should we play somebody else? You lived through Trent Dilfer, Craig Erickson. Dilfer, a top ten draft pick. You live through Dilfer or Eric Zier playing on these Buccaneer teams with Tony Dungy. Uh, then eventually Dilfer injured. Sean King becomes a quarterback. Brad Johnson is signed as a free agent. Is it Brad Johnson or Sean King? Then it became kind of like a, you, you came back to the team. Is it Chris Sims? Is it Brian Greasy? Is it Brad Johnson? Is it Jeff Garcia? My, my point is this has gone on and on, and now it's Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston. Dave, we're old, I guess. I mean, nothing ever changes. It's the Bucks fans' favorite quarterback is who's not playing in the game. Uh, that's always the most popular guy on the roster is the number two guy, especially a guy like Fitzpatrick that came in and played so well. You know, and, and more of your traditional quarterback controversies are, well, we have a young guy that potentially can step up and play and be our franchise quarterback versus an older guy that may or may not still have it or is inconsistent. And this is kind of the other way around. You bring in a guy like Fitzpatrick who's started, played very well, but because of his inconsistency, um, he hasn't been able to be that guy at one particular franchise and has played at a lot of them. But you want his experience because he's going to get limited reps in practice and he's not going to – you know, be the guy all the time, but somebody that can step in and play well and get you through games. But due to the circumstances early on with the suspension, he comes in and, you know, started breaking records. So he's a guy that obviously is a fan favorite now uh, as the number two guy, but stepped in and played very well. But I remember very clearly, you know, 1999, you know, Trent Dilfer was, was playing well. We were winning football games. We were playing good defense. And uh, he was – doing a good job, broke his collarbone, and then Sean King comes in, and then the following year, Trent was the odd man out, you know, and Sean King was the guy, and he was that younger guy situation, which isn't exactly what we're dealing with here. Um, I think where the Bucks are right now, it's about winning football games or finding ways to win football games, and who's going to give you the best opportunity. I think all of this stuff of what they're going to do with Jameis long-term is going to be needed to be decided uh, to be decided after the season. But now it's about we got to win games to make sure that Dirk Cutter and company are here to make sure the roster stays and they can build on it without wholesale changes. So, you know, the question's going to be who's going to give you the best opportunity in the way that Fitzpatrick came in and played yesterday. It's hard to say that they're not going to go with the hot hand. Absolutely. And again, Dirk Cutter will make that decision. And uh, I mean, look, it, it has been an adventure already through seven games of this season of going with Fitzpatrick, as you mentioned, to begin the year because of Jameis's suspension. Then Jameis comes back in in the second half of the Chicago game when it was basically a lost cause. He then is named the starter. Uh, it plays in these three games and the, and the play just got progressively worse from the second half of the Cleveland game through the overtime and then to, to yesterday, save for an occasional throw or two, it's it's just been tough to watch. Tough for Jameis, tough for everybody. So I, I, I've given my opinion a bunch on this podcast already before you've come on. Tell me what you saw in Cincinnati when Fitzpatrick got on that field late third quarter, early fourth quarter. 
What what happened? Why did it succeed? Why did it click, Dave? Well, he's a guy that Cincinnati plays a zone defense, and Fitzpatrick is a tremendous quarterback against the zone. And one of the things that he does so well is throw the deep ball, and that's really where we've seen Jameis struggle. And don't get me wrong, Jameis, when you watch him on film after some of these games, I mean, he makes some very good decisions. He'll make some great passes, but his accuracy sometimes is off. And then when things don't happen as they should, uh, he makes decisions that you're wondering, like, what what the heck were you thinking? You know, rather than just getting rid of the football or, you know, why would you force that? Even with a pre-snap look, it didn't look good, you know. So, uh, but Fitzpatrick, it's almost like the guy's – you know, respond to him very well. I mean, he, you know, tough conditions with the wind. When he threw that deep ball to Mike Evans for the touchdown, I mean, you can see him slow down his release and almost like try to play the wind a little bit to be able to drop that over the top and keep it in bounds with that strong crosswind. But then the next play, you're the two plays before that, he's stepping up driving it, throwing it as hard as he can. So it was, it was really interesting to watch him come in. You know, you say you do that to, to provide a spark for your offense, and it clearly did. I mean, the guys around him responded. The guys up front responded and protected him well. When he made clear decisions to run the football, it wasn't, am I going to throw, am I going to run, am I going to throw. He's pulled it down and hauled butt to go get the first down rather than being indecisive about it. So he really, you know, it's, it's fun to watch. I mean, he, you know, he was able to complete some passes. He was able to throw touchdowns, and uh, the guys around him stepped up and, and did their part. No doubt about that. Voice of Dave Moore with me. Nothing but Bucks podcast. You hear Dave with Gene on the calls on Buccaneer Radio, on Buccaneers uh, broadcast every Sunday. This is uh, this is now Dave's, what, 11th season doing things on the radio. 12th season. Man, I've lost track. Uh, you got almost 30 years in with the Buccaneers organization, so he would he would know uh, a lot about what goes into these different decisions. You know, being down there at field level, as I shared earlier, you could you could feel the energy come off of that sideline and players gravitating to Fitzpatrick. You've been in winning situations like that, where you're in the huddle and the belief is there, and, and you were part of this team turning it around back in the 90s and becoming a playoff team. What is that like as a player to be on? on the field knowing, hey, we've got a chance to rally and tie this game and looking at the eyes of the other players in that huddle, you lived it. What's it like? I, I tell you, and it's, it's hard. It's something you can't predict. It's something you can't teach. You kind of have to earn it from each other. And, you know, when, when being in the huddle with a quarterback, and Brad Johnson was that type guy. He wasn't fast. He didn't have a super strong arm. But you knew that he understood what he was looking at. He was going to throw the ball out, get it out early, let you go get it. But there's a different feeling when you get in the huddle with a guy that is leading that offense, not verbally, but by action and you know, believing in everything that he's doing, knowing that i got to do my part to run a good route because if I beat this guy, he's going to put it in a perfect spot. We're going to continue to move the ball. So it's 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 one of the parts of the game that, as coaches, you try to put guys together that have good chemistry and uh, you put the right pieces of talent in, in places to help you be successful. But the part they can't teach, and, and really nobody can, is that that momentum or that uh, that aura 
that an offense has when they believe in a guy that's that's running it and you feel like in any situation I mean there was a lot of third and long situations yesterday where the Bucks were able to pick up first downs were really you know they should have been punting the football but they were able to execute and do some things that that were well and there are things you can't teach as a coach and you know you try to get them to to do it themselves but it, it'll just come by itself a few more moments here uh breaking down what the buccaneers do next again i always qualify these things you're hearing the nothing but bucks podcast you may already know what the bucks are doing with their quarterback situation dirk cutters meeting with the media on monday depending on when you're hearing the podcast you may already know what the decision is with fitzpatrick and winston you uh, trading deadline is is looming for tuesday you may already know about a trade the bucks did or didn't make and you may be screaming at the pie well, why are these guys not talking about the trade well Dave, you can testify. We don't know about the trade right now while we're doing the interview. We're good. We're certainly not going to share it with you. That's that's right. We're good, but we're not that good. We we, we can't come up with these things off the top of our head without knowing them. So uh, in any event, uh, with that qualification uh, out of the way, there is such a wealth of offensive weapons on this team. When you talk about Evans and and Jackson and O.J. Howard and Brait and Godwin and Humphreys, and we haven't even gotten to the backs like Barber. I know Ronald Jones had a, had a hamstring strain yesterday, but you have got weapons all over the place for this football team, and that is encouraging now. Uh, I know you're three and four, but you got nine games left. You have got weapons whoever the quarterback, to go make some plays uh, here in the short term and down the stretch of this season. It's just fun to watch, isn't it? It is, and you you have no idea who's going to be the next guy. And if you're playing on defense and you're a defensive coordinator, I mean, who who are you going to take away? You try to take away Mike Evans, and then the next thing you know, Deshaun Jackson runs by the backside on a deep post with nobody covering him, and you take him away, and then Mike Evans is outstanding, and then you forget about all the guys that are inside. Godwin's out, you know, tremendous receiver. You got tight ends that can make plays. You got Humphrey in the slot that had, I don't know, eight or nine catches yesterday. So it's tough. It's tough. I mean, just look at the fact that the Bucks turned the ball over four times. And they had 576 yards of offense. New team so record, by times. the way. New team record, yeah. Four times. But listen, that means four times that you gave the ball to the other team before your drive was over. So say you don't turn those balls over, you get at least 10, 15 more plays. So who knows what would happen. And off of those turnovers, they score 14 points. Two of them were in the red zone. So say, all right, you get no more yards. But you kick field goals, that's a 21-point swing right there, a 20-point swing. You know, so you're saying that this offense can do what they're doing, and if they don't self-destruct, I don't know that there's anybody that can stop them completely. They have too many weapons. But that's from a coaching standpoint, a philosophy standpoint, you got to say, hey, listen, man, just pay attention to what you're doing. Hang on to the football. Don't force it, throw it away. You come back for another play because you have the weapons you can in all situations, even if it's going to be third and long, you got you got guys that can make plays. So don't be loose with the football. Don't try to force anything. If it's not there, come back, play another play because to your point, you have so many weapons, how are they going to take them all away? Yeah. Uh, Brian Fitzpatrick, by the way, had 194 passing yards in the fourth quarter of the game incredible the the numbers he's put up the numbers the offense in general i mean think so about that by now. four 
<laughs> yeah, multiply that time by four and see how many yards that is in a game. It's incredible. Uh, hey, one more subtle one, and I was down there on the sideline when, to your point, when Mike Evans went out of the game with the calf injury, and we don't know how serious it was or wasn't in that moment. It looked like it might have been a cramp. They put him under the blue tent. They were evaluating him. He was dying to try to get back out there and play. And then he came out for a play, came back over hobbling. I thought it, it was little things lead to big things. I thought it was huge that he was gutting it out. You talk about tough guys. He's gutting out a calf problem. He came back out there on the third down and the fourth down play, and even if he wasn't going to be the guy, Dave, the Bengals don't know that. The Bengals have right. to account for him and double-team him, and I thought right. that was a subtle little thing that helped other guys get open, including O.J. Howard, that Mike Evans, I'm going to give him props here on nothing but bucks, to go out there and gut it out because he was a weapon. He was somebody they had to account for in that situation. Well, think about it from a game plan standpoint. They're trying to take him away. So whether he's 100% or not, there's going to be a safety over top of that to your point where it's going to give another guy an opportunity. But if he stays out, you know, now the defense play a little bit differently, a little more balanced, which might not favor some of the other matchups. But beyond that, that right there in itself is what's going to give this team a chance to pull out of, um, you know, the self-destruction of what they're doing. If you're in a game like that where you're at one point down by 21 points, you're fighting your way back, you haven't played very good football collectively on offense and defense for the game, but yet you have your best receiver banged up and could easily – pull himself out for the rest of the game saying, I'll, you know, I'll come back to fight another day, a game that's a little bit better or closer. But when you have those guys fighting in a game where they're down trying to come back, where you see teams where guys don't do that, even if, you know, they, they might be able to play, they kind of, you know, rest themselves for a game that's more competitive or one that they feel like they have a better shot of winning. But yet that's the kind of attitude and toughness it takes to get over the hump. And we've been there, and you've been part of it, calling it from back in the days when we were exactly like the Bucks are now. We were self-destructing. Teams weren't beating us. We were beating ourselves. But then it's that attitude and toughness that kind of gets you over the hump, along with paying attention to details and being accountable for making plays that are going to get it where you're not going to get a penalty at the worst time. You're not going to turn over the ball in the red zone. You're not going to have a pass interference on a third and long when you have a chance to get off the field. They're the type of things that will start to go away when you have guys of of that caliber that, that care enough to be in there fighting to the end. Well, this team is going to continue to fight. It is still in the hunt. It wants to win some more games here in the short term to remain in the hunt. Let's see what happens. Listen, thank you. Uh, I know you're busy, um, and we, we are hustling around trying to put the podcast together, and Dave Moore said, what time do you need me? So I always I always love to publicly say thanks when you make time for me on that because I know you've been busy on Sunday working Buccaneers. Uh, one thing's for sure, we're going to know who the quarterback is by Sunday. Bucks and Carolina Panthers coming in Charlotte. Buccaneers chasing the Panthers in the South. It should be a lot of fun. 83, thank you. I always appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure, TJ. Good to talk to you. Always love catching up with number 83 uh, whenever I get a chance on our pregame coverage on these Buccaneer games. And we'll be on the air at noon coming Sunday from Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. So uh, you've uh, you've got Dave Moore's thoughts on all of this. We'll see again what the Bucks end up doing at the quarterback position. And uh, you can't say enough. Trading deadline is also coming. Again, you may be listening to nothing but Bucks here 
And you may already know about a trade that the Buccaneers have made, a player they've uh, dealt or a player that they've acquired. We'll see what happens. A lot of movement so far on all of these trades being made. Amari Cooper being traded to the Cowboys last week. Carlos Hyde a couple of weeks ago being traded to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, on and on down the list. Supposedly there are, there are teams that are buyers right now in this in this trade market, like the New England Patriots that may be looking for wide receiving help. The Buccaneers could probably use a player in the secondary. Will they be able to make a trade? Let's uh, let's find out what uh, what teams are able to make what deals. The Saints went and made a deal for Eli Apple, the former New York Giants number one pick as a defensive back. Uh, the the Cardinals are insisting they're not trading their Pro Bowl defensive back Patrick Peterson. Cardinals got a last-second win over the 49ers. We'll see. We'll see what happens with the trading deadline. And again, you may be listening to nothing but Bucks here and already know about a deal the Bucks did or didn't make. I don't know that at the time we're taping the podcast on the Monday after the game as we're putting all of this together. We will all find out together. And we'll find out as the Bucks get ready to play division rival Carolina coming up in the Queen City of, or, or actually uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. We came out of the Queen City of Cincinnati. We now go to the Carolinas for that NFC South rival. First matchup with the Panthers. Again, the schedule maker doing the Bucks no favors. This will be the third road game in the South before the Bucks play any of the home matchups with the NFC South opponents. The good news is the Buccaneers right now at 1-1 one one in the division. If you find a way to win this game on the road and go 2-1 in division play uh, for the Bucks on the road, you now get Carolina, Atlanta, New Orleans at home in this situation. So, uh, later on in the year, and you want to be playoff relevant, playing those teams and trying to track those teams down. Again, the Saints have not lost since the Bucks defeated them with Fitzmagic and the opening day win in the Superdome. The Saints have now run off uh, six consecutive wins to get to six and one, and are looking good in the NFC South uh, right now. But the Bucks will get their hands on them later on in the month of December. Let's see if the chase can begin with a victory in Carolina coming on Sunday. Again, we'll be on the air at noon with Gene and Dave with the call of the game coming at 1 on Buccaneers Radio through the Buccaneers mobile app, 98 Rock, our flagship station, and the Buccaneer Radio affiliates over the air. Also, tune in radio, another way to hear the games as well. My thanks again to Steve Carney. He does a great job getting me the highlights and the interviews. Uh, here for the Nothing But Bucks podcast, Jeff Ryan and the uh, the Buccaneers Radio Network broadcast uh, and everything that's involved with that. My thanks to him as well as we put this show together. Thanks also to Dave Moore for giving me some comments, some time, some insight. If anybody would know quarterback situations and quarterback changes, it would be him. It's nothing new again. Uh, I, I have been around in, in this market since the early 1980s, and all anybody wants to talk about is who's playing quarterback off the bench. Who, who can we go get? Not the guy that is playing. So this will be nothing new for this week with the debate about Ryan Fitzpatrick or Jameis Winston and what to do. All right, so there you go. That concludes this edition of Nothing But Bucks. Again, we're on the air from Charlotte. Bucks and Panthers coming on Sunday at noon. We're on the air at 1 with the kick of the game. Cam Newton and company off their win over the Ravens. In good shape right now at 5-2. and two. The Buccaneers in at 3-4, and four, but would love to get one back in the NFC South against Carolina coming this week. We'll be back next week with another edition of this podcast through Buccaneers.com and the mobile app. It is nothing but Bucks.